On a sultry afternoon, Richard Lampley sought out David at Three Cranes Wharf in the midst of commerce. The past few months had proven both exceedingly worrisome and dizzyingly busy, especially since war had been renewed with France. Lampley had already lost one of his cogs to the patrolling Castilian fleet, and it was only fortunate that the vessel was returning to London empty of wine after having delivered its prize to Bordeaux. The English Gascon trade had become fraught with peril, and the shipment of commodities was much more complex for all manner of merchants than it had been in times of peace. Every consignment and transaction had to be painstakingly planned and executed, lest it fall into the hands of the enemy. It should be also said that matters were made all the more difficult by the alarming rate at which some towns and cities in Aquitaine and other realms, many of which had been trading with the English for a number of years, changed their allegiance to the French. There was not a few mercers whose small fortunes and empires were crippled and undone by the fresh, militant atmosphere. In these tense times, Lampley was glad to have David as an apprentice and partner. The young man, now twenty years of age, was already one of the most intelligent and careful of wine merchants. With his rare Oxford knowledge of rhetoric, geometry, maps, numbers and languages, as well as a good degree of common sense, David had calculated new, safer routes for Lampley's cogs, and was astute at discerning the best people with which to pool resources. Perhaps it was out of duty or an open hatred of seafaring but David stayed away from Bordeaux as part of the agreement between Jacques and Pierre Junot, an agreement now over seven years old. As David gradually built upon his new name and reputation with relationships and achievements, he longed for the day to have the funds and power to free Jacques and Sophie from their bonds, and there wasn't a day that passed that didn't bring the desire to do so. To him, Seven years was quite long enough a penance for an adolescent's destruction of an expensive batch of wine. He hadn't heard from Sophie or Jacques for many years, or so it seemed to him, which is why his heart skipped a beat when Lampley found him that day, nearly causing him to faint. I'm just back from Bordeaux. I know where you've been, David grinned. How was the passage this time, old man? It was better, but barely so. We only just slipped by a loose row of Castilian ships in the fog at daybreak, and when they finally caught sight of us, we were too far away to give chase. I must say, were it not for your route, we may not have made it, I think. Lampley rummaged through one of his sacks to find what he was looking for, and when he did so, he heaved a sigh of relief. I have to give this to you. It's a letter from Sophie, the greying vintner said, but with a solemn tone and a break in his voice. When David peered at him askance, he noticed that his benefactor couldn't look him in the eye. A letter. Did you see them, then? he asked. Aye. I did, and it had been a long while, though, as you know. Well, he prodded, what news have you? Past experience have taught me that a letter in lieu of one of your usual oral reports is anything but good. Oh, it's not good, my boy. Just read it. I should like to know what you'll do about it, if anything at all he said, just before turning to leave. As Lampley joined Kerry and walked away towards the wharf, keeping his distance to give the young man some privacy, but remaining nearby enough to await his reaction, 
David found a space along a bench and broke the wax on the yellowish dried envelope. This time, the words were fewer than the last letter, scribbled hastily and much more momentous and weighty. My dearest David, it seems like all of England is here in our town and along our shores. I implore you to come home now. Jacques is deathly ill and his only ship has been seized by the French. I shall not take a breath until you return. But please be cautious. Juno is powerful and ever vigilant. Love, Sophie D.B. He slowly closed his eyes upon examining the message and leaned over while nervously rubbing his temples and clenching frustrated jaws. Lampley could see his agitation from across the wharf, a look of defeat that swept over his countenance, like one of the subtle waves along the top of the Thames flowing just beside them. David locked fingers and rested a creased forehead on interwoven thumbs. It seemed to Lampley that he...